Back in 1789, American founding father Benjamin Franklin uttered the famous quote, In this world, nothing is certain except death and taxes. Were he to rewrite that quote today, he might put, In this world, nothing is certain except death, taxes, and Manchester City wobbling for a bit to get everyone interested and then going on a long winning streak that gets them trophies. With nine straight wins in all competitions, Pep Guardiola's men are on the charge. I'm Kevin Hatchard and this is Football Only Better. No wobbles, just winning for our top tipping team starting with Mark O'Hare. Mark City still in the FA Cup. Heavy favourites to overcome Copenhagen in the Champions League. Liverpool's defeated Arsenal means they're just a couple of points off top spot in the title race with the game in hand. Starting to look quite grim for their rivals, is it? Yeah, it's it's looking a little bit ominous, although I'm still hopeful we might have a, a three-way title race. But um, yeah, the, the result last weekend with Liverpool losing was probably the best for Man City. As you say, just two points behind Liverpool now with a game in hand. I think they're around 166 for the title having kind of fluctuated to to around evens or even a little bit bigger during their lean spell when and Liverpool pulled clear. But um, yeah, a lot of people were queuing up to bash them at that, that particular time and, um, you know, kind of sound the alarms a little bit. But I think we were always quite kind of level-headed with City. We've kind of ex- we kind of know what to expect from them. And, you know, they they tend to kind of do this uh, before Christmas. They have a few struggles. They appear a little bit sloppy in areas. They provoke us into criticising the, the squad management and the decisions to sell players and downsize the squad. Um, but then they come into January and sort of start turning for home. The daffodils start popping up for spring and, and City start finding their their range, really. And I think the, the Club World Cup was, you know, in hindsight, we kind of assumed it might be a distraction, an inconvenience um, in pre-season. But actually, I think it's worked out to be a, a real positive for City because it allowed them to get away from the, the helter-skelter of the Premier League, get a bit of a breather, get some sun, play two relatively cushy games. Then you've also got the FA Cup to rest and rotate. The winter break has kicked in as well. So City have had a really kind of good last sort of six to eight weeks, really, to get their players back fit, available again. I think they're the only team in the whole Premier League now to have a fully fit squad available to them, which is um, you know remarkable, really. And um, yeah, they do look refreshed. They do look re-energised and, and refocused, really. So seven straight wins since the Club World Cup and nine if you include that competition. And I think they showed at Brentford, you know, they, when they do flex their muscles, they're going to be very, very hard to stop. Um, Flecken had to make some great saves, really, to keep them at bay before the the equaliser on, on the stroke of half time. And, you know, if it's not Haaland, if it's not De Bruyne, Alvarez, Bernardo, it's now Foden. If it's not him, it's Doku or Grealish or Rodri. You know, there's such a such a serious force to try and contain. Um, Everton's job is going to be very, very difficult on Saturday for obvious reasons. I thought they earned a, a well-earned point at Spurs last weekend, in fairness to them, but... It's still one win in 10 across all comps and they're hoping to have Godfrey, Decore and Anana back for the weekend to, to bolster their squad. But they do tend to fall short when they they step up in class this this season. Yes, it didn't happen last weekend. But um, yeah, I, I think if the underlying data, which I kind of highlighted quite in depth last week on Everton, wasn't so strong, I think they'd be a lot bigger than 12 to 1 on the sportsbook to win this match. And, um, you know, I think it's going to be very, very difficult for them. If you look at their record at the top half, they've lost four or five away trips. Three of those defeats were by multiple goals. And they're playing a Man City side who have a record of 49 wins, five draws and two defeats when hosting bottom half teams <laughs> over the last five and a half seasons. Sorry, 73... just read that again for us. 49 wins, five draws and two defeats at wow. home to bottom half teams. And 73% of those wins 
uh, of those matches ended in a in a margin of a, a victory of two goals or more for City. So, yeah, kind of slightly surprised you can get City minus one and three quarters on the Asian handicap around about 1.8, basically making money if City win by two or more. Uh, they obviously ran out 3-1 winners at Goodison Park pretty comfortably in December, played really, really well. I think that was their first game back from the Club World Cup, actually. Um, an alternative I, I thought was was actually quite appealing to Phil Foden to score or assist. It's 10 to 11. He's in red hot form at the minute, but his record at the Etihad this season is astonishingly good. Um, in 13 home league or Champions League games, Foden has scored or assisted in 11 of those 13. Um, 10 to 11 for repeat. Yeah, it does seem quite big on that basis, really. Uh, odds compiler, tipster, and one of Malta's most notable celebrities, Mark Stinchcombe, is with us, bringing his glamour uh, to proceeding. Stinch, City facing Everton side that, as Mark says, did at least fight back well against Spurs last weekend, but they're still in deep trouble, aren't they? Yeah, it's the the scoring department that, that concerns me with Everton. You know, they've been without Decore for for. A, for a while and I think it showed that they've missed him as the, the top goal scorer but I don't think you really want to be relying on uh, a converted sort of holding midfielder to, to be the one that rescue, rescues you um, Calvert-Lewin to me has never looked the same player since his uh, since his injury and um, they brought Beto in obviously from uh, Udinese um, but maybe it's still too early to judge him because perhaps he hasn't had the run of games he's He's needed, so then you're almost reliant on well, can can you keep the the door shut at the back? And that's kind of you know, what they've had to do in order to grind out draws against uh, Spurs and Villa and and even sort of Palace away in the cup. But you know, as soon as they concede, you you don't really know where the the, the goals are going to come from in order to to fight back, which is which is kind of strange to sort of say because at the beginning of the season they were doing all right and even up until when they played Man United and United won um, convincingly on the scoreline but Everton were, were really good in the first half in, yeah. in that game but again you know that was with uh, with the likes of uh, Decore so and well, obviously they were making all... chances and not scoring them in that spell weren't they they were having loads of games where Sean Dyche would come out afterwards and say oh well, we dominated the game but we didn't score it, has that declined a bit for you in recent weeks then yeah, it also feels like maybe from a mental perspective, like I think there was a when they got the points deduction, there was that sort of massive fight back from the like the fans and the club, like, you know, we're not gonna take this line down kind of thing. And then that's kind of sort of drifted in the into the into the background almost like it's been accepted that, you know, there's there's no appeal because they, you know, they admitted they they admitted they were at fault, right? Um, so it almost feels as though that that noise and that adversity that they were suffering, because that's that's not modern news now. It's it's old news that that seems to have sort of maybe they've lost a bit of fire and fight in yeah. in them, and which is not that typical of a of a Sean Dyche team. And and obviously the you know the recent news with it sounds like there might be more proceedings coming at them. Um, I don't know if that means more points deductions. You, you know, it's difficult to say because the Premier League almost seems to make the rules up as they go along. So, yeah, I mean, you, you wouldn't you wouldn't consider them getting anything here at at City. Although I think under Lampard they managed to snatch a snatch a draw, but that's that was probably more through uh, luck. The golden than, uh, era. <laughs> more through uh, luck than uh, actually actually having a having a game plan. And and just just speaking of City, I mean. It it seems to be a rinse and repeat. You know, they. I, I'm not sure that they do sort of 
take not not try as hard if you like or, or make mistakes because they're not concentrating in the sort of first half of the season i'm wondering if it's more that um they condition the players really well so so that they're set up ready for, to go at all all the competitions come second half of the season you know like they they take players off after after an hour or maybe they're the players are maybe even told like look you, you can't run as hard as you want to in this game because we need to save you for the second half of the season because they literally are like a, a horse at Cheltenham coming round that last bend uh, when they when you come into the second half of the season and you, you almost know nobody's going to catch them um, as Mark says 1.67 to win the win the league it, it's almost a almost seems like it's a, a done deal and the fact that you know they seem to be the best team in terms of players available and not suffering a lot of injuries uh, like uh, like most of the other other teams in the league I mean great job to obviously manage the team without Arguably, their three best players all at multiple times this season, with, with Rodri, De Bruyne, and and Haaland all being all being away for for periods of time, and and to be in this position um, on on three fronts, obviously not four fronts, with having lost in in the in the League Cup, but you know, it'd be a, it'd be a brave man to oppose them in any of these competitions now, right? I mean, all, all four firm favourites to win all th- all three, so I guess it's up to the up to the rest to. To, to hunt them down. I mean, they've still got to go to Anfield beginning of March and, and Arsenal still got to go to the, the Etihad. So I think they'll probably be the the two big ones that will that will mostly de- decide the title. Well, we know injury time goals could be a pain in the pocket if they ruin your bets and they've got 90-minute payout to rescue you. If the clock hits 90 minutes and you've got the right result as it stands, your bet wins when the match ticks into injury time. T's and C's in the description, 18plusbgambleaware.org. Potential cracker in North London as two of the great ideologues of the Premier League go head-to-head. It's Tottenham's Ange Postacoglu against Brighton's Roberto De Zerbi. Stinch, we give... Brighton a lot of credit on this show, and quite rightly, but they've only won 10 of the last 25 games. Is this injuries more than anything else? Yeah, I think we discussed it uh, a couple of weeks ago when we, we talked about Brighton when they went to when they went to Luton. I, I think it's a combination of that and, and juggling a, an unreal schedule with the with the Europe. I mean, I think their fans, if you ask them, um, they, they would probably give priority to Europe. Yeah, uh, you I know, think that's fair. Yeah, again, I think that's yeah, absolutely fair. And if it means, you know, they're not going to get relegated, uh, are they? So if it means that they have a slight drop off in, in the Premier League, then I think they I think they would all take that. And yeah, just with the, the volatility that Premier League's given us this season in terms of, uh, you know, the uh, extra time being played takes it more out of the the players and i think is 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 where where some of the injuries are coming from the extra cards means we also get more suspensions as as a result and then also you know we've got an african nations cup and a, an asian cup slap bang in the the winter break if you like so players aren't even being rested and you think of the likes of matoma who's you know one of brighton's best players as well yeah then, huge um, when he's not there isn't he yeah, I just think it's an, an enormous uh, uh, knock-on effect. Uh, in terms of this game, I think this game should be really fun, right? You know, two sort of proactive managers that that want to go at it. Uh, reverse fixture, Brighton one four two, um, which I think was on Boxing Day. So I think we could see more of the same. Spurs are chalked up here, just short of four to five. 
And uh, unsurprisingly, over two and a half goals is one to three. Uh, is it the Bundesliga? <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'll be interested to hear with the angle Mark is, is going for. But I'm going to focus on uh, outside of those two markets and go for a bet in the cards market. Um, the line is over 4.5 cards at evens. And the reason I picked this game is these are both in the, the top six for, for cards received this season. So I'm hoping for for uh, more of the same, basically. Um, Spurs have had 59 cards in 23 games and Brighton have had 58. So the averages are well above 2.5. Um, so if you added them both together, they'd be they'd be above five. And that, that would give us a, a blanket price of uh, eight to 11. But we can get even. So I think there's some juice here. Um, also, these two are top five for, for fouls received. So not only do they collect cards, but they also attract the opposition into into fouling them. And I think with both, you know, playing proactive football, high lines, etc., I think it's an excellent opportunity for um, transitions, basically, which which can cause fouls and ultimately ultimately be perhaps the moments where a yellow card to given because you you know you're de- denying good attacks essentially. Um, the only issue here is the referee is Samuel Barrett, who averages the lowest. Um, average cards in the Premier League this season with just 3.2 per game. But it's a small sample of just 10 games. So I'm kind of happy to overlook that given given that I think there's a little bit of disparity in the price and, and the fact the last time they met on Boxing Day, there were five cards given. So yeah, chance in cards here. I think, you know, maybe a good bet here will be given the, the referee's low average. He'll probably try and hold the cards back as long as possible. So that might, if you look at, one thing I quite like to do from an in-play perspective, I'm not a huge in-play better, but this is one of the things I quite like to do. If you see there's been perhaps one or zero cards in the first half, but you see a, a double-figure uh, foul count, in my mind, that means at some point he's going to have to start bringing them out, and that's not always factored into the price. So if you don't like backing it pre-match, I would encourage you to have a have a revisit at, at halftime if there has been a, a low card count, but the fouls um, have been racking up. These are the kind of little tips we like to bring you uh, along the course of the season. Mark, Stinch is going for violence. What are you going for? I, I looked into violence because both teams have been very <laughs> profitable in those markets, as Stinch has alluded to. But um, over three and a half cards has landed in 10 of Spurs' 11 home games, as well as 10 of Brighton's 11 away games. So um, if anyone's looking to build something uh, through the bet builder, there's definitely ways to to make it work with goals and cards. Um, I'm going for goals. Um, I know over three and a half goals is a little bit short to some people here at 2.02. I'm not going to take that, but I do think it's still... Uh, a reasonable price considering it's landed in 58% of Brighton games and 48% of Spurs fixtures. Uh, they're averaging 365 and 348 goals per game each. Of course, as Stinch said, the reverse was 4-2. Very enjoyable for neutrals. 37 of their combined 46 league games have seen both teams score. They've only failed to score in five of those 46 games between them. But um, I've spoken regularly now about Tottenham's incredible output in the final third. They're getting Son back. He's due back on Thursday. Whether he starts or not, we'll have to wait and see. But even if he doesn't start, I still back this Tottenham team to to score at least twice against Brighton, considering they've done that in 18 of 23 league games under Postacoglu. No team can better that hit rate. They've also scored at least twice in the last eight league games. However, they've also shipped two goals or more in four of the last five, as well as seven of their 10 matches against the top half. So, you know, we know Spurs play in aggressive, attacking manner. They've got real quality in forward areas. That approach, though, does 
invite danger, as we saw last week against Everton. And I think Brighton will enjoy that opportunity. They bossed the game at the Amex against Spurs. I don't think it'll be anywhere near as straightforward this time around, but um, they'll be confident after that big win against a, a dreadful Palace side who are missing their key men last weekend. But even still, it's a, it's a, big, bo- a big boost for them. And also, we've got two really, really informed strikers, Brazilian strikers on either side. Richarlison now has nine in eight league games since the start of December. João Pedro has eight in his last seven for Brighton. So I think both will be very well serviced. I think, fingers crossed, things escalate into a shootout, over three and a half goals. If you backed in every Premier League game this season, you'd be looking at a plus 14.4% ROI, which is very, very healthy for the Premier League. Very impressive stuff. But um, yeah, I'm not hugely drawn to the 2.02 price on the exchange. I'm going to revisit something we've done a couple of times in the past, and I'll be doing so again in the show later on. But uh, we're going to back both teams to score at least twice here, which comes in at 23 to 10. So if you're backing over three and a half goals, you're only really really missing out on the 3-1 win for either side. So here we've got the 2-2, the 3-2 either way, et cetera, and so on. So, um, yeah, I, I think both teams can absolutely contribute here. And the other price I really wanted to highlight was... Uh, Betfair are standout best price in the industry for Richarlison to score here at six to four. I, I can't ignore that, to be honest. Wow. Harland has a better minutes per goal record this season in the Premier League in amazing form, as I mentioned. He's only failed to score once in his last eight. Um, fresh from those two beauties against Everton, a goal every 110 minutes averages an, ex- uh, an XG output of 0.61 per 90 uh, and Brighton allowing 2.09 goals per game away from home. They've conceded at least twice in all three trips to the top five this season. So I think six to, six to four is far too big for Richarlison to score. To use a technical term, Sheffield United are on their ass. They are bottom of the Premier League. They were utterly dreadful against Villa last weekend. They let me down because I thought they were going to push Villa quite hard. I thought they'd lose the game, but I thought they'd at least keep it close. They go to Luton this weekend. Stinch if they lose this. That's the end, isn't it, really? Well, you never know with these points deductions. Uh, That's taking, true. That's you know, true. I keep, I keep. Uh, Might win the I keep... league. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, imagine that. Imagine, well, they could imagine they finish bottom and then they get out of the relegation zone because Forest, Everton, and City just get enormous point deductions. Yeah, get Luton I mean, in the Champions League. Get everybody <laughs> above them knocked that, out. That, yeah, that probably that probably be quite fun. Do you remember when Portsmouth were in in Europe and I don't think their ground oh, quite yes. conformed, but they're able to do some. I think Milan played them there, and they probably probably didn't quite enjoy it. But yeah, that Luton would be fun. Um, having I keep, I mean, I say I keep I keep checking the table, but they're not. They're only a few points off Burnley. I I, I got Burnley completely wrong this season. I don't know whether it's because um, they've had to sort of um, buy like a you know a lot more new players. Obviously, they lost Nathan Teller, which who contributed lots last season as well. New goalkeeper, etc. Hudson um, went. Martin was big for them. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he's he's you know he's already playing for for Dortmund from the from the start. Um, I just got faith in in company. Um, I hope that doesn't bounce back this weekend with Burnley going to Liverpool. But yeah, as you say, Sheffield United obviously um, continue to be in trouble. I am quite surprised at this Luton odds. As much as I love Luton, what they're doing is fantastic. What price do you think Luton are, Kev? Oh, I think they're about, I'd looked, they're about 1.77, aren't they? Or something yeah. like that. I, I think we've said it before. It's not 
when you're doing your weekend accumulator and you go, oh yeah, you know, I just back a load of favorites. I don't think this is one that you throw in. You know, it is a massive six pointer. It's it, it's yeah. enormous in the grand scheme of things. And the reverse fixture, albeit Luton won, I think there might have been some own goals or it was very very end to end. You know, it's not something you'd put in there and expect expect to win. Um, and you consider the fact that Luton were twelve to five in this fixture last season, uh, and when they played each other on Boxing Day, Sheffield United were eleven to eight. And it's not that long ago. So if you kind of use that as a as a benchmark, you'd have Luton here around about eleven to ten. So it's a it's a big it's a big uh, change in uh, from eleven to ten to you know four to six odds on. Um, but you know you can understand it in a way, given as you say some of these Sheffield United performances or lack of performances. Um, but I just thought it was quite a big disparity considering, you know, it's sort of, it's only six weeks ago and that includes having the winter break in FA Cup. So there hasn't been that many league games in the meantime. Um, so I do think Luton are a tad short, but my main bet here is actually, um, a bit more violence because, uh, Sheffield United are the second worst offenders in the league in terms of collecting cards, uh, 74 cards in 23 games. So that's well over three per game, 3.22 per game. Uh, away from home, similar story, 34 cards in, in their 11 away games. Um, and they're the fourth worst foulers away from home. So sort of backs that up. Ref appointment looks quite good. Chris Kavanagh averages 4.69 cards per game. He, he ref Sheffield United just once this season at Burnley. So a similar sort of six-pointer. He gave him five yellows and a red that day, which is his only red this season. So I think uh, I think they could be in a f- for a few more. And in the reverse fixture, Sheffield United got five cards. So we can back over 2.5 Sheffield United cards at evens. Uh, and that for me is quite attractive given they're averaging above that and the, the referee and the, and the opposition also marry up uh, to, to make it a bet for me. Absolutely huge game in Germany as Bayer Leverkusen take on Bayern Munich. Leverkusen have not lost a single game in any competition this season. They came mighty close in midweek, though. They were 1-0 down and 2-1 down against Stuttgart before they eventually came back to win 3-2. Yet again, scoring a late goal. They've been doing that a lot recently. Bayern have got a lot of players either not fully fit or out entirely. No Kingsley Coman. Serge Gnabry still struggling with an adductor problem. Alfonso Davies is going to be missing as well. Minje Kim's only just come back from the Asian Cup. Is he going to start? Well, probably, but uh, he won't have had a lot of time uh, to adapt to being back in Germany. Yours with Kimmich's got a shoulder problem, so they're a bit banged up at the moment, Bayern Munich. And Mark, I think, I think Leverkusen... You know, you look at the odds here. I felt that Leverkusen were a bit slightly disrespected here, given what they've done this season. I found it remarkable you could get them uh, plus 0 and plus 0.5 on the Asian handicap at 1.76, which means you still make money even if the game's drawn. What's your take on it? I I definitely agree with that. I think disrespected is exactly the right word. Bayern Munich, the name uh, brings a lot with it, really, especially in the betting markets. And they're often a little bit shorter than perhaps they deserve to be. And this is, you know, no bones about it. This match is enormous, really. Uh, Leverkusen with the two-point advantage, protecting that unbeaten record. Uh, incredible that they've gone 20 rounds of Bundesliga action and still haven't lost. As you say, it's, it's not just in the Bundesliga, though. It's across all comps. So they're top their Europa League group as well, as well as kind of making advances in the Pokal. But um, yeah, it's been a remarkable season for for Bayer, I just hope they don't change tact for this match, considering that the magnitude of it. I'm 
still expected them to come out and play, and I think they should really. Um, I think they should be confident about it too, considering the way. I think they will. I, I think I talked about ideologues earlier on. I think Xabi Alonso is one of those. I don't think he's the type that would... I don't think they're good enough defensively to shut up shop, actually. I think they've got to play, but if they because if they try and do that, I think they're onto a loser there. And to be fair, they didn't do that in Munich and it ended up being 2-2. I know they got a late equaliser, but they fully deserved a point. For they were the better team that day. Um... Yeah, they were. It was early in the campaign, but even still, it was it was a really promising performance, and they've kind of kicked on from there. So, yeah, I think from a from a Leverkusen perspective, they they have a real chance here. Um, you mentioned the injuries and the issues that Bayern have in the camp. You know, Kim trained on Thursday. Um, how ready is he going to be for for Bundesliga action? Doubts over up Meccano and Kimmich both have trained this week, but uh, you assume they'll be okay, but perhaps they're not one hundred percent. But I think Alfonso Davies, his absence is is enormous, especially if Kim isn't 100% himself because his recovery pace is is almost everything that Bayern have there in defence when, yeah. when Kim's not there. So um, this is a, a very pacey Leverkusen side with plenty of threats you know, across the field, especially in wide areas. Um, and yeah, I think defensively we said all season that Bayern are, are gettable. Um, Tuchel still never got the defensive midfield star he wanted. Um, and I think Bayern's best form of attack here too is, is to attack really, considering they've got Kane and Sane in exceptional form, having great campaigns. Musiala is contributing too. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to this, hoping it will be as explosive as we hope it will be. Um, agree, I think Leverkusen are underrated, but I'm just going to follow a similar route to what I've already suggested elsewhere, which is to back both teams to score at least twice at 23-10 to 10 on the sportsbook, which, as we know, copped in the reverse match in August, um, a tremendously fun 2-2 draw in Munich, um, which I thought Leverkusen edged. But um, it also won when Leverkusen hosted Leipzig. It also won when Bayern went to Leipzig. So if you look at arguably the, the best three teams in the division, it has a three-from-three three strike rate um, in inter-Leverkusen-Leipzig and Bayern matches this season. Uh, we saw again in midweek, as you suggested, the game against Stuttgart in the Pokal for for Leverkusen having to come from behind twice. That game ended 3-2. So, yeah, another game where both teams scored at least twice. And I think 23-10 is, is fairly reasonable, um, considering it's one in three of the last seven meetings between the two teams as well. So, and just uh, I wanted a reasonable price to cheer on in what should be a, a an absolute must-watch in European football this weekend. So, I thought 23-10 was, was worthy of it, considering both teams, you know, their threats are in forward areas. And I think they can be susceptible in, in defensive areas too. So, um, yeah, it kind of marries up quite nicely. Yeah, given what I've said about backing Leverkusen to avoid defeat, it might seem quite counterintuitive this, but I'd also back Harry Kane to score at evens because if you look at his performances in big games, he scored against Stuttgart, he scored against Leverkusen in the reverse fixture, uh, he scored against Leipzig, he got a hat-trick against Dortmund in Der Klassiker away from home. So he's turned up in all of the big games for Bayern this season, more or less. Of course, he scored in the Champions League as well. So I still think, given what Mark said, I think he's spot on. I think there will be goals in this game. I think you can get away with backing Kane uh, to score at evens on the sports book. There wasn't um, a price on the exchange when I looked, but on the sports book, he's evens. And you can also back Leverkusen to avoid defeat. Let's go into the championship. Sheffield Wednesday against Birmingham Stinch, a battle of strugglers. Yeah, I mean, Mark mentioned must must watch on Saturday evening. I think this falls under the same category on Friday <laughs> evening. <laughs> what are you going to say? Must not watch. <laughs> I've I've enjoyed the. What did I enjoy recently? I enjoyed the delights of Sunderland v Hull. That that was fun. Lovely stuff. Um, 
no, it wasn't that great. I mean, Fabio <laughs> Carvalho's goal was good, was good. Um, but yeah, I'm, no, I'm not recommending to to watch necessarily. But um, I've been wanting to oppose Sheffield Wednesday for for a while. It's been a bit frustrating that um, a lot of the times when I've when I've uh, when I've been on, they've been playing at uh, they've been playing at home against a team that you don't really want to get on side. Um, but I I think here there's there's just enough case to to warrant it basically. So Sheffield Wednesday v Birmingham City Friday night, and Sheffield Wednesday are six to five to win. Can I back Sheffield Wednesday six to five? Absolutely not. Um, you know Danny Roll has done. I've labelled it an okay job. I think that might actually be in a bit kind. He is the youngest manager in the EFL, and it is his first managerial position. Um, and when he took over Wednesday, they were rock bottom with with no wins in eleven. In in his nineteen games in charge, they now rank twentieth. So that's why I've said you know okay job. Um, although they are the second lowest scorers in that period, and also they've conceded the second most goals. So fine margins. Um, obviously, the Birmingham City experiment with Wayne Rooney went sour uh, quite quickly. Just a um, bit. They, <laughs> yes, they were bottom over the entire period that Rooney took over, which. You know, tells its own story basically. Um, now you've sort of got EFL stalwart in a way. Tony Mowbray's taken over. Uh, five games in charge so far: two wins, one draw, and, and two defeats. So nothing amazing. However, looking at his four league games, they've won the expected goals battle in in three of them, and and two of those include Leicester and West Brom away, and they out outshot both Leicester and West Brom. Um, so that's sort of the reason I, I got a bit more confidence here with with opposing Wednesday, and uh, I also I mean I mentioned that Wednesday had been low scoring under under Danny Rowe, and that that's further compounded by the injury to Josh Windass. Um, he's been absent for eleven games this season, and Wednesday have only managed five goals and four points in that period. So I'm happy here to to back Birmingham plus a quarter on the Asian handicap around about 1.91. So as long as wins, if if it's a draw, you'll get half your winnings. If Birmingham win, you'll get a full payout. I just think at the prices, there's no, you know, there's no way you can be back in Sheffield Wednesday here. And I think Birmingham have got the sort of new manager bounce uh, in a way on, on their side as well. And yeah, if they outshoot Wednesday, as they have done in, in some of the games under Mowbray, more often than not, you, you should avoid defeat. Top two doing battle in Germany. Top two doing battle in Spain as well. Real Madrid facing Girona. Um, Girona, amazing. I mean, the way they performed at Barcelona fairly recently. Um, the way actually, Mark, they, in the reverse fixture, played pretty well against Real. Ended up losing heavily, but played pretty well. I mean, they've just been utterly remarkable. And they've made Barcelona look eminently stupid. Because Barcelona are moaning about, oh, we can't spend this. We can't pull this lever. It doesn't work. You know, we, we, we've got a terrible squad. I mean, it's ridiculous. Embarrassing, really. Um, yeah, you mentioned that the reverse game against Real Madrid and it ended 3-0 to Real Madrid. But it's just one of those perfect examples why just looking at the, the full-time score very rarely gives you the full picture of how that match played out. Occasionally it will, but in this scenario, it absolutely didn't. Girona battered Real Madrid in the first half. I think they ran up an XG around 1.7. Um, they deserved to score a couple of goals at the very least, but um, ended up sort of succumbing and, and being beaten uh, by the scoreline quite heavily. But in reality, it really wasn't that cut and dried, really. And as you say, they've they beaten Barca away and scored four goals. They've beaten Atletico at home and scored four goals. And they've done it all despite 
you know, as we've mentioned a couple of times now on the podcast this season, losing their top goal scorer, their defensive midfield holder, their best winger, uh, their best centre-back um, in the summer. And their objective was to just try and survive this season in La Liga. Um, they brought in six players, two on loan, one on a free, um, spent about 50 million euros. Uh, and I mentioned this before that the salary limit is, is 51 million euros. Only six clubs have a lower budget coming into the season for the Girona. Uh, 51 million euros. They're playing Real Madrid this weekend and their budget is 727 million euros. It's just astonishing, really. And yeah. we can't really... Obviously, there have to be some sort of mention of the the link with the City Football Group, but I think that does them a massive, massive disservice because... Yeah, it's only really the Savio deal that kind of has come through that because he came in from Twa, didn't he? But it's only really that that's helped them. I mean, they did it's more kind of information. I mean, City don't even own the majority, do they? They kind of, I think they're like the minority on the board. So yeah, yeah. they're affiliated, but it's not hugely yeah, they, helpful. They share data, they share infrastructure uh, when they can and stuff, but there's not a huge amount of real strong links between the two clubs. And anyone who thinks City are just bankrolling this team to success is, is so far from the truth, really. And, uh, you know, that's why Michelle's kind of been standing up now as, as a potential candidate for the Barcelona job because what he's done at Girona is is embarrassing what uh, compared to what's happening in Catalonia. But yeah, obviously a huge game this weekend. Such a shame it's taking place at the same time as Leverkusen versus Bayern. Um, but yeah, like the, the game in Germany, I'm expecting goals in this game uh, despite the, the kind of magnitude of the match. And largely down to team use. Um, if we look at Real Madrid... Um, they could be okay, but there is a chance they start this match without a recognised central defender. Um, Nacho has missed training this week and is now a, a major doubt. Antonio Rudiger missed out against Atletico last weekend, um, has been training individually. He's most likely to return, but again, is still a doubt. And they need him because Alaba and Militao are out long term. Ancelotti didn't call up any Castilla players for the game against Atletico last week. So he had a centre-back partnership of Nacho and Carvajal. Uh, so Carvajal will be looking very likely to start here at centre-half again, probably alongside Rudiger. If he doesn't make it, we're looking at Schumeni coming in at central defence and he's only just back from injury himself. And I think it's worth sort of pointing out Real Madrid play RB Leipzig only three days later. So are Real Madrid going to rush players back for this match? Yes, potentially, but potentially the game three days later is even of more importance considering their history in the European Cup. And chuck it all on top, but Courtois obviously absent and has been for a yeah. long time and He's been absolutely monstrous for Real Madrid over the last couple of campaigns. So, yeah, they're playing a, a Girona side who definitely know where the back of the net is. Uh, top scorers in La Liga, averaging 2.25 2 goals. Next G figure of 1.77, which is only bettered by Barca and Real. Scored those goals against Barca and Aleti already. Should have scored in the reverse game. Um, and I know if you look at the away results for Girona this season, it might tell you a different story because um, over two and a half goals has only copped in 55% of their away games, but the XG data tells us something completely different. Those away games are averaging 3.5 expected goals, which is by far and away the highest in La Liga. Um, so they've given up a lot of chances on their travels, but they have overperformed, overachieved defensively. But going forward, they are a real force when they click. And I think with a weakened Real Madrid defence here, they should have a really good chance of scoring. And if they do score, suddenly over two and a half and BTTS comes into picture here at 1.9. I think it's a, a nice play to have. Well, now it's time for the world-famous podcast treble, a betting feature so revered that the NFL 
were going to give us a Super Bowl commercial for free, but we turned it down because we don't want to become too mainstream and showbiz. Uh, how it works is each of the three of us come up with the selection ahead of the weekend's action and our lovely traders wrap them up for you in a boosted treble. I'm going to start. I'm going to have Dortmund to win against Freiburg on Friday night. It was a bit bigger than I expected it to be, actually, around about 1.57. Uh, Dortmund have won 14 of the last 15 home games against Freiburg and drew the other one. It's not massively significant, but I think uh, a historical run like that does get in players' heads, and a lot of the same players have been involved in some of those games. Uh, also, Freiburg have lost their last two. Lots of injury problems in defence. Matthias Ginter, the former Dortmund defender, has been struggling with an Achilles problem. They've also got Philip Leanhart out. He's had groin surgery. Christian Gunter's only just come back from breaking his arm twice. So defensively, they've been a bit of a mess, to be honest. So I think Dortmund with players back. We think Corbel's going to be back. We think Royce will be back. And we also think Julian Brandt will be back from illness as well. I think they'll have a bit too much for Freiburg. Stinch. I'm going to continue the Bundesliga theme and back Hoffenheim at four to five. Uh, I want to oppose Cologne as much as possible, just three wins all season. And two of them came against nine men Frankfurt and one against 10 man Gladbach. The actual other win came against bottom side Darmstadt. So Hoffenheim very, very hot going forward. So I think they can ultimately outscore Cologne. And we'll discuss that game more on Sunday. We will. All the cool kids, of course, do listen and watch the Sunday show. Uh, Mark, take us home. Uh, if we're just going for the one X twos, I'll complete the complete the job really and back Bologna to beat Lecce uh, on Sunday in Syria. Uh, they lost their opening home game of the season against Milan. Since then, they've won eight, drawn twice, and lost zero times at home in Syria. Uh, that includes a 4-2 winning at Sassuolo last weekend. They've only conceded five goals in those 10 games, two of which came last weekend against Sassuolo. And they're playing a Lecce side without a win away from home all season. Three clean sheets to the name all season. And they've got a wretched record away at top half teams as well. So, uh, But I'll sort of delve into that a bit more in depth on Sunday's show. Now the moment you've all been waiting for, yes. It's Marco O'Hare, Scott Watch. Scott Watch. Uh, I nearly boycotted Scott Watch this week because uh, Scottish Cup is back and we don't like oh, Cup no. games. Um, oh, no. <laughs> there's also that wintry weather, which is uh, obviously across the north of the UK, could lead to some postponements, hopefully not. But I'm going to go into the Scottish Cup because I do think there's a price which is well worth a look. Um, I'm going to back Championship side Partick to win at home against Scottish Premiership side Livingston. Why? Well, Partick are around 3.1 to win this game, and that seems to have undervalued them a little bit and overvalued Livingston, in my opinion. Now, Livy are bottom of the Scottish Premiership, and they have been absolutely awful since October's international break. They've only earned three points from the last 15 games, 12 defeats, three draws. They've failed to score in 10 of those 15. They've conceded twice or more on 10 occasions. Their only joy in that series of results came in the Scottish Cup, when they survived a, a bit of a banana skin at home to Wraith, who are also in the championship. Wraith a second, Partick a third. But Wraith are going through their own lean spell. Now, Livy went off at 2.4 to win that match at home to Wraith, which suggests that the market rated Wraith as slightly the better side, actually. Yet, Livingston are 2.3 favourites away at Partick, who are just one place below Wraith Rovers in the second tier, and they're very, very capable at home too. 
Now, if you look at the game against Wraith, Livingston won that game 2-1, but they fell behind in the fifth minute before turning it around. Despite having game state in their favour for 80-odd minutes, they were outshot, considered more shots on target and more corners in that match too. So yeah, I'm not suggesting, <laughs> I can't kind of agree with the market here, but they're uh, thoroughly better than, than Partick, who um, actually came through their own Scottish Cup tie away as a Scottish Premiership struggler. They won 3-0 away at Ross County in the last round. So if they can do that away to Ross County, there's absolutely no reason why they can't down Livingston at a nice price on Saturday. So Partick Thistle to beat Livingston in the Scottish Cup around about 3.1. Culture Corner, I think we've pretty much exhausted our, our Partick content in the past. So um, I don't think we've covered Livingston. So this is a side that's been founded quite recently, actually 1943, which is very new for Scottish football terms. They used to play in Edinburgh before moving out to Livingston, um, which is kind of midway between Edinburgh and Glasgow on the M8, uh, probably closer to Edinburgh. And they had their name changed in 1995 after that move to Livingston. Uh, but it's been quite a bumpy ride for them since. Um, they qualified for the UEFA Cup, actually, after being third behind the old firm in 2001. That was their first ever top flight season, and they finished third, which was a, a hell of an achievement, got themselves into Europe. Um, yeah, and in 2004, they won a Scottish League Cup. But um, financial problems have kind of dogged them since, and they were relegated in 2006. In 2009, they are on the verge of liquidation before a deal was struck to keep them alive, but they were demoted to the bottom tier of Scottish football and had to battle back with promotions to get them back into the Scottish top flight. Um, they've been pretty solid, actually, the last couple of years, but things have, have really unravelled this season. So it looks like they're heading to the second tier again. But um, just some interesting tidbits, really. Um, they were the first British club to appoint a Brazilian first-team coach when they brought in Marcio wow. Maximo in 2003. Um, he was previously a coach of the national youth sides in Brazil. He'd worked with Ronaldo, Ronaldinho, uh, but he was recruited from his job as technical director at the Grand Cayman Islands. He's uh, <laughs> the Cayman Islands for Livingston. For Livingston. Okay. Um, and even better, it lasted nine games before he resigned. So that was a, a great uh a great move for him, but uh, I've saved the best bit to the last. Um, Livingston play their football at the wonderfully titled Tony Macaroni Stadium, which is obviously <laughs> a sponsorship name. Uh, I'm led to believe Tony Macaroni is a chain of Italian restaurants across Scotland and Northern Ireland. If that wasn't good enough, has arguably the best nickname for a football stadium, possibly across the world. So bear in mind, Tony Macaroni, Italian restaurant influence, some supporters now call Livingston's home stadium, not the Tony Macaroni Stadium, the Spaghetti Ad, which I think is that's very good. Top banter. <laughs> so, um, that is very, very good. So, there so you we go. started with Manchester City. We ended in a weird way with Manchester City. Uh, that's all we have time for in this edition of Football Only Better. Please do remember to gamble responsibly. It's the Super Bowl on Sunday between the Kansas City Chiefs and the San Francisco 49ers. The NFL Only Better crew has you covered uh, with all of the best tips. So make sure you check that out. Of course, all of our shows uh, here on Football Only Better are on Betfair's new YouTube channel for non-race content so make sure you like and subscribe plenty coming up in the sunday show as well including west ham against arsenal from stinch from mark and from me it's goodbye for now